Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. I got to patch this boat. And so we unload everything. It's like a week-long trip. Get like two dudes, father, son, uh, out of the boat. And literally everything. Coolers, all that. Get it out. Get it onto the bank. And we're in a canyon. There's nowhere to put this shit. We had to make some decisions and whatnot. And essentially, there was no way a heli could grab us in the middle of the canyon. And I took uh, spare life jackets, spare oars, anything with like any dexterity to it. And I just stuffed it into that area uh, where there should have been air in that tube. That was Cam Gordon making a game time decision while guiding in a remote river canyon. Alaska Flats Fishing Honduras and Log Jam Fly Fishing Productions today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Quick reminder, schooloffishing.co, schooloffishing.co is the best place to find out where we're heading next on our next trip. This is a chance to uh, see where we're heading next and check in on some of the other resources we have coming out there, which includes uh, in the future online courses and some of the stuff we're digging to on the trips we're going to be adding those into at this website so if you can't go on a trip we are going to have all that information on the website for you to check out check it out right now schooloffishing.co today's episode is sponsored by fishhound expeditions putting together remote alaskan wilderness trips for that trip of a lifetime these are not your lodge style trips. These are not your uh, car style trips. This is remote floating in, uh, flying in at times, floating in down Alaska in the middle of nowhere, mousing for rainbows, camping out under the stars of the Alaskan sky. This is good stuff. We did a trip earlier this year and it was amazing. You can check out these trips right now from Fishhound, wetflyswing.com slash fishhound, F-I-S-H-H-O-U-N-D. Cam Gordon is on the podcast today to share his journey around fly fishing, fishhound expeditions, and his Honduras trip uh, operation he has going down there. We find out how he uh, found himself creating this Honduras uh, fishing operation, what uh, his next year looks like around uh, fishhound expeditions in Alaska, and what it's like to be a full-time guide. The main man behind Logjam Fly Fishing and a guy who brings the passion. Here we go. Cam Gordon from Log Jam Fly Fishing on Instagram and FishHoundExpeditions.com. How you doing, Cameron? I am great, Dave. How are you? Good, man. Good. This is uh, it's been a long time coming. Sometimes this stuff goes with like lots of uh, ups and downs, and I've had to. The scheduling has been tough, but we finally got this, and I'm excited because we did a trip with you. And actually, I just talked to Nick last week, and he again. Every time we talk, a smile comes on our face because we did this trip up to Alaska with you. You know, you and the crew in Fishtown, and it was this is amazing trip. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. We're going to talk about what you have going in Honduras because you've got this really cool program there as well. But before we jump into all that, take us back real quick to fishing, fly fishing. How'd you first get into this, and then how'd you take it into a business? Oh boy. Uh, well, I've been fishing since I was in diapers. My little claim to fame. My uh, on my first birthday, my grandfather got me a fishing pole. It's kind of a rite of passage in my family. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then uh, from there, fly fishing has been in the last 10 years. I want to say, was it 2023? So yeah, 2013, right around there. I've been fly fishing for about um, a decade. And I'd say I spend about 90% of my casts uh, with a fly rod in hand, but I am not a purist. I just like catching fish. So I do, you know, a little bit of trolling, a little bit of center pinning. Um, 
I just like catching fish. For sure. That's it. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's, uh, the more people you talk to, and I think the more, it's not even a younger generation thing. I think it's just that the more people that are kind of real about it feel like fishing is fishing. You know, you're not a, the pure, the fly fishing purist thing, it seems like it's almost old school. Like that's just kind of going away and people just love, you know, you love what you do. It, some people love just fly fishing. Some people love just conventional, right? But it, it's all good. As long as you're having fun, that's kind of the point, right? Most definitely. As long as you're out there, like respecting the fish. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll be out there with my buddies and like, you know, on a week long steelheading trip, it's like, yeah, I'll swing for a day or I'll beat or whatever's going on. And then it's like, man, I didn't catch a fish yesterday. It's like, screw it. I want to catch a fish. I'm going to pull out my center pin and I'm, I'm going to make everyone trash talk me, but I'm going to be the one with the numbers that day. Right. And so it's just whatever each person wants, man. If you're like diehard. Got to catch that fish on a home tide fly swinging it like space style. Like, and you'll take one fish the whole week. If you catch it the way you want to catch it, dude, right on. Um, I get in those moods sometimes and they'll last all of like a full day. And then I'm just like, screw it. I just want to feel tug. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I want to dig into, you know, you got quite a bit. I'm not even sure that's what we're going to touch on here because, you know, from the fish hound, we did that trip. Well, maybe let's just start there just from your kind of yearly. So right now, you know, it's kind of March, it's going to be April here. Talk about what you have going because you have this thing in Honduras and then eventually you change, right? And head up to Alaska. When, when does all that stuff happen? Yeah, man. So I'm based in Talkeetna, Alaska. Um, that's where I am, you know, resident, live full time. And I guide uh, for fish hound expeditions and I'm the multi-day guide. Uh, so Western AK, Kodiak, um, heli trips here in Talkeetna, working for Adam Cuthrell, uh, absolute homie, great friend. He has got such a killer culture going here at Fish Hound, man. Um, it's so fun. We're fish bums. And like, we are not that like, uh, I know I always try to describe what makes fish hound different, uh, than your, you know, normal, um, you know, maybe Wyoming or Montana, uh, fly shop. And it's just different. We're young dudes and, uh, you know, we're not always by the book or whatever. We're just really having fun is like our MO and, um, yeah, Alaska fishing on a good year is like the fishing's the easy part. Our jobs are pretty easy because there's a lot of fish and we're going to really isolated areas. So on a normal year, I say, because last year was pretty challenging with all the rain. Um, our job is more just camp life and rowing boats. And yeah, we took you guys out on like the section, uh, a river that I'm on pretty much all summer long. Um, that's my home up there. And it's, you know, pretty close to Telkeetna. So that's where, you know, I'm based out of and. I know those waters pretty darn well. I feel very at home up there. And it was absolutely so fun to bring you guys on that second. Yeah. You guys, you guys got a taste of it for sure. I mean, it, it can be better, but it also, it can be worse, but you know. I know. It's fishing. It's fishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We rolled it. And the thing about it is that, again, this that goes back to the trip. You know, the fishing's just part of it. And, you know, if it would have been... You know, the fishing was good. It actually turned out we got had some really, you know, good action. But it, the water was high, right? So it was a bit high. But... Everything else was amazing, right? I mean, Telkeetna, we had some epic nights in Telkeetna. The poker night, right? <laughs> Dick had almost, right? Dick won the poker, won the poker tournament or whatever. I, I think, let's see now, I can't remember. But it was, but it was just one of those things. We had this great week and we spent a, you know, we're on the river for those days. And at the end of the day, it's just a pretty special place. I mean, what do you think about Alaska? I've I asked, you know, Adam's been on it here a few times. 
And everybody, I've talked to people that have moved up to Alaska from the lower 48, and some of them just didn't come back. And it's hard, right? I mean, what for you keeps you in Alaska? Oh, man. Um, Well, you know, I leave Alaska for about three months a year, sometimes all at once, sometimes not all at once. And, And but like, what keeps me here is, you know, the fish for sure. But then everything freezes over and I do not have the attention span to go hard water, um, you know, ice fishing. But I just love the the mindset up here, man. It is like a true blue uh, kind of libertarian life. Like just like just leave me alone. And if you need help, I'm here to help you, man. Uh, I got you neighbor or whatever. Like everyone is down to help each other. And everyone just loves the outdoors, loves fishing, hunting, getting on the river, man. It's it's honestly like a true outdoorsman's paradise. That's why I live here. Yeah, that's it. And really the weather thing, like, you know, like right now, what is it? It's, it's kind of mid-March. How's it looking there? Is it a little cool? Oh, March is one of my favorite months, man. It's perfect. Uh, you've got like where I'm at, at least you've got about teens to 20s at night. And then anywhere from high 20s to high 30s and blue skies, sunshine in the daytime oh, wow. with a really nice snowpack. So we do a lot of cross country skiing. It's March is the best time. That's good. So you're getting just killer sun and lots of snow and just hanging. Yeah. So like, yeah, the snow like is pretty much done. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll like wake up to a few inches or something, but the big dumps are over. You know, I say that now we'll probably get like feet, but no, for the most part, it's just sunshine and it's great. You know, you can go out and skiing and like, not, you know, it's not that windy. I love Telkeetna, man. It's March is one of my favorite months of the year in Telkeetna. Yeah. March is good. Nice. So you got March and then pretty much here, another April, whatever, right? May, you're going to be starting to get going on the uh, fish hound stuff. Yeah, man. May will be, uh, when we start guiding just local, uh, rivers, all, um, uh, along what we call the highway system. Uh, so anything that flows into the Susitna and then generally the mouth is where you're going to find your fish early season. And, you know, it can be hit or miss. Uh, sometimes you'll crush it. Sometimes not so much. We try, unless we're just going to go for grayling, we try to stay away from the upper sections of those creeks because those big breeding trout are going to enter first and they're going to start spawning and you like that is just <laughs> i feel so bad if i hook a spawning trout so you're guaranteed to not hook one if you just stay low yeah got oh that's it nice so you stay low and you stay away from the spawners mm-hmm. all those spawners are gonna head right up uh thing do their business and then hang out a little bit yeah okay cool so that's it and we've talked to like i said adam's been on and you know we've we've definitely dug into the alaska you know experience and the fishing so you know, I want to turn the tide here and really focus on Honduras, what you're doing, I guess, for a few months out of the year, because that's one of those places that we haven't, you know, we've done some stuff in South America and Central America and, and stuff like that. But Honduras is not one of those places that we've talked about. And, you know, I'm not sure why that is. Are there some, I mean, I'm guessing there's some operations in Honduras, or is it just one of those places that is still below the, uh, under the radar? Yeah, man. So one of the best operations that like, I'm definitely biased because it's a friend of mine, but I, truly one of the best operations for saltwater flats fishing. And if you're trying to slap a permit is fly fish Guanaja with Steve Brown. Dude's a legend. He and I have started a friendship. Uh, he's good friends with Adam. They've got together. He's a Colorado homie and dude's got a documentary about him called uh, beyond the horizon on Vimeo. Um, he is an incredible fishy dude. And fly fish Guanaja is like, 
what I would view if I was, you know, not a guide and just a dude working a nine to five, saving up money to go on a fly fishing trip, man, fly fish Guanaja. That's it. Guanaja. And how do you spell that? Oh, Guanaja. G-U-A-N-A-G-A. Yeah, yeah. Guanaja. Right. Okay. Perfect. It's a part of the Bay Islands. And uh, that's where I'm starting my operations in the Bay Islands. Just doing a really small, lovely, all-inclusive flats, you know, fly fishing resort. I kind of found this lovely little area. My girlfriend and I were, okay, I got to give Lily credit. She actually found this spot because um, she's a boat captain and she went out like scuba diving and Hawaii and was like, man, I want to drive this boat. And they're like, okay, in order to drive this boat, you have to be a dive master. And she's like, all right, cool. She Googles cheapest place to get dive certified. Boop, this place pops up on the map. <laughs> she, uh, you know, goes down there, gets dive certified, and then uh, falls in love with diving. And then, yeah, then enters Cam. And uh, of course, I bring my fishing rod with me as I always do anywhere I go. And I'm like, holy cow, like day two out there, I'm like, there's a tailing bone. Oh, <laughs> you no way. <laughs> um, Amazing. So yeah, it, and it just all is kind of falling into place. And, uh, you know, 23 into 2024 that winter, if I'm going to do what I keep calling the soft opening, where I'm ironing everything out. And, you know, I'm transitioning from guide to owner, which is kind of terrifying because I've been a guide for like 10 years. So I don't know what else to, you know... Uh, how to be on the other side of the table per se. And um, so, yeah, so the soft opening is going to be friends, people that I've guided with, you know, fish hound folks that were familiar uh, with us and um, just going to be, you know, people that are okay with uh, a couple of curveballs here and there being like, hey, we're figuring it out and we'd like here you to be here for it. Mm-hmm. Like the beta. This is the beta version. Or no, not even the beta, not even the beta, right? This is just the new. Well, we got the fish, you know, we got the boat, we got all that. We got the guide, we got the lodging. The lodging is spectacular. It's this full house, four bedrooms. Everyone's got their own bathroom and shower with a pool and ocean view. It's epic, man. It's so epic. But we just don't want to jump into the deep end too quick. So first year, soft opening, maybe get like 10 groups of people out there. And then, uh, you know, we want to hear everyone's feedback. We're kind of picking folks to come out and join us because we know that they're going to be straight up and be like, yo, this could use improvement. This is amazing. Hey, we don't even care about that. We don't even, you don't even need that. Don't spend money or time on that. We don't care. Stuff like that. So very exciting. It's definitely been consuming my life, but um, that is exciting. I'm really stoked on it. Yeah, man. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Honduras, the whole area down there, right? You think of, you know, getting like you, the, the break. So you're in Alaska, you got a rainy season, although Alaska can be super amazing too in the summer. But uh, describe Honduras a little bit, like for somebody who hasn't been there, what, you know, what could you expect? What makes Honduras amazing? Uh, so the Bay Islands are, you know, this little island chain off the coast of Honduras, and it's in the same reef as, you know, Belize. And, I mean, if you look at a map and we're, we're like almost a stone's throw away from Belize and everyone knows about Belize like that sure. is um, that's on the map. So it's kind of just the next location. Uh, you know, it's, it's the Mesoamerican reef, which is the second largest reef in the world. Um, yeah, beautiful area and, uh, lots of, you know, resident tarpon. There definitely are plenty of migratory tarpon, resident permit, resident bones, resident jacks, snook, um, 
our spot where we're at is bonefish mecca if you're trying to have a bone take you to your backing hmm. we can do that real quick <laughs> no kidding <laughs> oh yeah what is the fishing like there is this because i know there's some places people talk about the um you know the grand slam or whatever is this and permit obviously are not the easiest fish to catch is that something that is like doable here where you can have like action on all of them or does it depend on the time of year yeah so our island is uh because of the mangrove uh growth the snook are actually kind of tough to come by whereas in like Guanaha, uh the mangroves are a little more mature and so that's more room for the snook to hang out and so for me a grand slam is tarpon bonefish snook permit i know that some people uh disclude the snook but yeah we could yeah yeah why is that why do they take out the snook that seems like yeah that's the other three usually you hear about uh, I have no idea. Yeah. Honestly, man, uh, you know, if if there's like a, a bonefish and a snook, you know, hanging out right next to each other, I'm casting at the snook. No kidding. Oh, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> man, nice. they're awesome. Uh, they're really cool fish and you just don't see them as much. So, yeah, it is possible. Um, but, yeah, that trifecta grand slam of just the permit bonefish tarpon is definitely doable. A lot of our tarpon are either like pets at the docks where you know dudes coming in from like offshore blue water fishing and they just clean a wahoo and toss it in and the tarpon eating that it's like yeah i'm not gonna dock fish for tarpon those are pets <laughs> right that's um, crazy so if you're really like looking for the guarantee of a tarpon you just go back into the mangroves and you just they they need oxygen so you'll just see them kind of like slurping and just cast in that direction or if there's like a little freshwater stream coming in cast in that area and you'll catch like you know anything from like palm sized tarpon to arm length really yeah it's fun man so these are like yeah i mean these are still all considered like a baby tarpon up until what like 50 pounds or something like that oh man i'm actually not totally certain on that but i'd be willing to say that like the 30 to 50 pound tarpon is the like most fun fish to catch in the world you know i I have a lot of species that I haven't touched yet, but man, like a 40 pound tarpon is wild. Yeah. So much freaking fun. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. And, and you mentioned the oxygen. Now, what is that? Do you know? I don't know much on just kind of that, what you, they need oxygen or what's the deal with the tarpon? Oh uh, yeah, man. They, they definitely need oxygen, oxygenated water. Oh, oxygenated water. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So you'll see them slurping oxygen as they go. And then once they go out, um, so we're actually really big scuba divers uh, because I love catching fish, but honestly, I just love fish. Yeah. So going down and spending, you know, an hour underwater and staring at fish, I have seen some of the coolest things ever doing that. And so, yeah, you'll see out, you'll see out there like some, you know, hundred pounder tarpon cruising along and they actually don't really need that oxygen anymore, but it's more of like a, uh, I don't know. I want to say like prenatal type of thing. If you see, like slurping that just means that they're happy fish they're just doing what they did when they were kids kind of that's cool. um so you see like some big tarpon rolling out there you're like that is a happy fish <laughs> let's throw something at them <laughs> let's yeah. go Damn. party on wow what was like so i know uh you know we mentioned adam and i think didn't uh the whole team came down there didn't they all come down there this year to check out the place oh yeah man we had a fish hound party down in honduras that was a good time that's right and i heard that uh will well, I think Adam was stoked and trying to get the fish, but Will was just like loving just being there. Is that the case? He didn't get as much fishing in. He was just kind of hanging. 
Yeah, it most definitely. I th- I think so. Day one, those boys arrived uh, at uh, Will and Shane, and we partied, of course. And then I woke up at like six a.m. to go walk the flat, and they never showed up. You know, caught a bonefish. Oh, nice. showed up at their place, and I start bragging and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, Will's like, oh, I'm a piece of." <laughs> Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you are. <laughs> nice. And uh, and then so the next day they got up. Will got up with me and he and I hiked the flat. And um, yeah, I listened to the episode with Will and I loved him describing that moment because it was really one of the best moments ever where, you know, he's not tuned in to his eyes, like looking for that. Like you can I go out with Will any day of the week and he'll point out like a king salmon that's in like a 12 foot deep hole. And I'm just like, what the heck? How do you see that dude's got radar? Oh wow! Like, and then and it was so great to have the tables turned because I'm out there on the flat, wind, sun, all that, and I'm like, dude, there's a that fish is face down, ass up, cast at it. He's like, I don't see it. I'm like, all right, just do what I say. And I'm like, seeing you know, he's ripping into his backing and he's dancing all over the flat, like stoked beyond belief. And then, yeah, and then the boys discovered everything else that our little uh paradise has to offer which it's a really safe lovely environment it's like a backpackers island and there's a lot of scuba diving snorkeling beaching and it's just not like that normal touristy zone there's plenty of tourists but it's more like kind of younger generation people that are traveling on a budget it's not that cruise ship uh mentality and so they were just like yeah you could tell they love fishing but they're like man there's some pretty girls here and scuba diving. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's like, that's like honestly my perfect day out there. And that's like one thing with my company I'm starting out there is that, you know, we're just going to go wherever the company wants to go. I'm not completely like diehard on making this a fly fishing company. If people want to do blue water, they want to go scuba diving, you know, we're dive certified and get my dive master and stuff. Like we can make this, you know, whatever people want to do. If you want to do a day of blue water, a day of fly fishing, a day of snorkeling, like by all means, this is your vacation. This place is super cool. So yeah, my perfect day is I'll hit the flat, you know, from sunrise, which is like 536 till, you know, 11 maybe, or until I've chased all the bones out of the, out of the way. And then I'll go get some lunch, go in a boat at one and go diving until like four or five in the afternoon. And then that's it. Maybe go to karaoke. <laughs> right. It's a lovely little place to spend some time. That's right. What is the, um, like, as far as the, I guess we're not going to go deep into all the, uh, you know, the nightlife and stuff, but is it, is it pretty cool? Is there, there's plenty of places you can kind of get some good food, hang out, do whatever. Oh man, you can get any, anything from, you know, street tacos for two bucks to uh, steak and lobster for like, you know, 25 30 bucks we know depending on where you want to go yeah you got options and it's really cool um that's what i think is gonna make you know this you know fly fishing resort that i'm starting here a little different from the rest because i've I've heard some stories of folks being like yeah man that resort was epic so cool but the second you walked off of the premises you're like oh boy this is interesting we are in you know central america whereas this one it's like man i'm gonna give you the keys to a golf cart and like go have fun uh you're good like you're you're fine so yeah this sounds perfect it sounds like a really good place to maybe maybe even take the family you got a couple little kids or whatever come down that's exactly right yeah that's what we're trying to start um so yeah in the soft opening i got buddies that are bringing their wives and just the two of them 
so yeah stuff like that it's cool kind of makes it a little different which i'm very excited about see what people's reaction are and if people are just like no nah, man this fishing is killer we just want to fly fish for seven days right on we yeah. can do that <laughs> that's right that's right yeah listen to your people see what they say that is so cool and that, that's one thing i've learned you know guiding in the backcountry here in alaska with adam and stuff it's like this is your vacation man like if you want to get up at 5 a.m and go hike around and fish right on if you want to party around the campfire and then sleep till like 11 a.m whatever right on this is your vacation like so definitely just letting people do what they want to do. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Okay, so we got so we nailed that Honduras. This sounds like you're you've got this epic uh, you know journey ahead of you. Um, do you see it as that when you look ahead? You're just starting here. Do you see this as like yeah, this is the long term deal? Most definitely, yeah. This is what I'm going to try to make as my you know career. What I'm going all in on because unfortunately, this you know guiding does have an expiration date on it. Um, at least this type of guiding uh, that we do in the backcountry, it's it's physically demanding, it's exhausting. I love it to death, but I don't want to be doing it till I'm 40. You know, I'm totally fine doing it in my 30s, stoked on it. But there needs to be some type of plan, and I'm really excited about this. And and I think my favorite part, you'll love this story, of how this all started was uh, when COVID hit. Hmm. Uh, we took a couple of we took actually a bunch of trips, uh, 2020. And, um, I had these guys, a uh, father and son, son was maybe like a decade older than me, like uh, late thirties, early forties. And, uh, we got on super great. It was such an epic trip is on, you know, our river in Talkeena that I took you guys down oh, yeah. and they were from, uh, one of the Carolinas, maybe somewhere over there. And they love to go fishing for redfish. That was like their thing and like polling and all that, you know, and they just talked about it the whole time. And I'm like, man, you guys better shut up or else like I'm going to really get into this. And, they, and the whole time they were just like, you've got to. Like, right. You would love this. And I'm like, all right. And then like, sure enough, the season's over 2020, you know, October comes and goes. And I'm just like, screw it. Like I was spent like eight days on the river with those guys. And I was like, you know what? Screw it, man talk to the girlfriend and stuff. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta go do something. She's like, okay. And I was like, yeah. So, uh, I hopped in the car with my dog and I drove from Talkeetna to Key West, Florida. No way. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. That's amazing. <laughs> that took you. How long did that take you? Oh gosh. I don't know, man. That's so cool. That is something this right at the spur. You're just like, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, just got the dog and a couple good books on Audible, and uh, along the way, I stopped and I bought a boat. <laughs> oh wow! This port, yeah, I know it was a little uh, like sixteen foot uh, flat bottom with a twenty on the back on a tiller, because the whole way down, I'm calling this poor dude. Uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name in uh, Key West, just being like, "Yo, I've never saltwater fly fish before." I'm going to come down there. I've always wanted to go to Key West, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what do I need? And I start, you know, slowly I built up my gear list and stuff. And he's like, dude, you need a boat. Like, it's just, and I'm like, screw it. So I took all my tips from the year and I bought a freaking boat. Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't all my tips, but uh, yeah, I showed up to Key West, didn't know a single soul, had a boat, had my dog, and that was it. And uh, I started couch surfing, making friends, just ripping the boat around every day. Um, I had, 
uh, one of my best friends of all time, Pat uh, Miller, show up. He shows up to the Miami airport. I roll in, boat attached to the back of my shitty Subaru. And, you know, at the airport, like, pickup thing. And I, like, roll down the road. I'm like, get in, we're going fishing. And uh, (laughs) we just start cruising down the highway, go to the Everglades, rip that boat around everywhere, catching jacks. And just, like, that was my start to saltwater fly fishing. Just being a literally no-nothing jackass in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, in Key West. (laughs) In, in Alaska plates and everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So that was it. That was your first taste of saltwater. That was it, man. You sometimes you just got to go all in. Right. And did you have any that has the redfish? Have you touched some redfish since then? No, nope, never caught a redfish. There's a lot of species that, uh, yeah, like, honestly, that was like the thing that really got me into it was that I saw it took me weeks of being on the water every day just to see fish like i the first time i saw piling tarpon blowing up i just lost my shit i was like no way i found them i freaking found them and then of course i didn't catch one uh but like every time i just even just saw a fish it was like euphoria i didn't catch that many uh lots of barracuda and stuff which you know aren't too they're fun you know but they're not like a target species they're not like one of the main four and that was it. I was like, I'm like, yep, here we go. I'm addicted. Yeah, you did. And so, and this boat, do you still have this boat? No, I got rid of it. Oh, you did? Yeah. So you just yeah, had it, right. Yeah. You just got it for the trip down there and then you, yep. Right, right. Yeah. What did I do after the keys? Uh, yeah. After the keys, I, yeah, I got rid of the boat. I uh, had a shoulder surgery that I would been putting off forever and then uh, drove back up to Alaska and started uh, guide season 2021. <laughs> right. So you did it. Wow. Yeah. And when did this, um, so the Honduras thing, when was the first year you, you were down there? First year in Honduras was uh, 20, end of 21 into the beginning of 22. Gotcha. Yep. And then we've, I've been back, you know, I think four times now. Yep. Right. So you got this little spot down there. This is awesome. And uh, so what are the next steps? I mean, I guess, let me just say this. So people listening now, it sounds like it's not quite open up if people, and let's just say this, you know, a year from now, somebody's listening to this, where would we send them to make sure if they're interested in maybe connecting with you and finding out what's available? What would you tell them? Oh yeah, man. So uh, Adam has been gracious enough to do my bookings. So Fish Hound Expeditions can hook you up and send you to Honduras to come fishing with me. Uh, with Bay Island Expeditions. But like I said, you know, 23 to 24, uh, we're going to be pretty... uh, Yeah, pretty low-key. Yeah, we're going to be super low-key, honestly. And then 24 to 25, uh, you know, that winter there, hopefully we can book out, you know, folks that just want to come fishing. Um, And then, you know, long-term goal is to get it to be a year-round operation. Hmm. Yep. Year round. That's right. So you can do that's the thing. You can fish year round down there, not just in the the prime time. There's a lot of uh, period where you can hit it. That is correct. You can catch bones year round down there. And uh, yeah, so I've just been kind of working with uh, Steve Brown at Flyfish Guanaja and going kind of just taking a lot of pages out of his book because dude's got it dialed in. And so just been uh, trying to figure it out. He started his uh, Flyfish Guanaja when he was 30 years old been going for 15 years now he's taken presidents of the united states fishing out there wow amazing people um i'm 30 years old starting this company with steve's blessing it has been 
quite a wild, wild ride. It's all sounds like you have the perfect kind of mentor there in somebody that's kind of done it already done it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And lots of connections. I mean, the fly fishing world is kind of small in its own way, even though every time Steve says, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, and I'm like, no, I don't know anybody. Cause I just started saltwater, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, right. But it's been, it's been awesome, man. Really, really excited about the future. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll keep in touch. I mean, obviously, there's, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot going, I would love to get down to hunt. I mean, there's so many places. I think a lot of people are like that, right? They've got all these places to go and not enough time. So it's kind of that thing where you're prioritizing, but that part of the world seems, I mean, like you said, Belize, if you just look on a map and just go North over the ocean, right, you're going to run into Belize. It's kind of a weird corner, right? Where you're at Honduras is kind of down below. And so you're right there. What are the other places in that? I mean, have you traveled a little bit around that part of the world or have you just kind of focused on Honduras? I've been staying strictly in the Bay Islands, just trying to really get familiar with those fish in those flats. You know, I would love to go exploring into the mainland, as they all call it, and into Central America. I did a backpacking trip across Costa Rica hmm. right after I graduated cool. high school. So that's been a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I'm really trying to focus my efforts on just learning those fish, which has been... Uh, it's been an absolute joy to get to know an entirely new fishery. Um, whereas like in Alaska, man, I, a lot of times I'm just like on my day trips or even my multi days. I'm like, man, I'm getting paid right now for my knowledge of these fish. Right. Like, yeah, I'm cooking you your three meals and stuff and I'm rowing the boat and all that. But really I'm getting like, when it comes down to it, like if you're a hardcore angler, you're paying me because I, I know these fish, like, you know, these fish stood up and had a speech in my wedding type of thing. Yeah. Like we're, we're familiar. <laughs> no, you get what I'm saying. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. You're there. I mean, you're there every day, right? Every, I mean, these, and these trips you guys do are, yeah, that's an extreme deal, right? Flying in the gear, the cooking on the river, all, you know, everything bears. And then compare that to say the Honduras thing. That must be, I think I asked the guys about that, right? That must be quite a, you look at the difference of the fishing between Honduras. They're both hard though, because, you know, fishing for permit isn't easy either, but tell that somebody who hasn't done the Honduras thing versus say Alaska, which one's easier? Oh man. Like as, as far as guiding? Uh, yeah, that's a good, actually, yeah. Do it as far as guiding than to do it as far as just being an angler. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So as a guide, man, I've got the best gig in the world. As far as I'm concerned, man, I'm so blessed. I love my job like it's insane i actually had so many people telling me all the time like you've got the craziest job and everything i'm exposed just a normal day of what i see and the fish that i net and just like the alaska job yeah and just all the, the all the stuff that occurs in front of me just in a normal day is just so cool that i started my this whole log jam fly fishing because it's it's literally just a, like the stuff that i see you know, on a regular basis. And everyone is telling me like, yo, this is the coolest, you know, my brother and stuff. Who's like diehard uh, angler. I fish with my brother every chance I can. He's an amazing angler. And they're just like, yeah, this needs to be like recorded and people want to see this stuff. I'm like, right on. So here's just, you know, my daily or whatever life. And um, yeah, I just have so much content, even though filmed with my shitty phone, like, it's just something always happening back there in, you know, on these trips. And yeah, the fishing 
is generally if you're looking for numbers, yeah, come to Alaska, man. If you want a bent rod, most of the time, um, I mean, you could just go catch pink salmon until your heart's content. Personally, Adam definitely is going to preach September because the fish are giants. I always preach late June uh, because the the streamers. You know, I'd I'd rather catch. Uh, you know, a bunch of fish on a streamer swinging that thing rather than watching a bobber drop. I love late June because I got I took my parents out there last year and yeah, there's, I got a video. I was like, yeah, okay, right there. I just know where that fish is going to grab it. And I just take a video and sure enough, my mom's line is just wham, 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 <laughs> just like set. <laughs> right. And the mice too, right? You got the mice in June. Oh yeah. You can, yeah, you can mouse till your heart's content. Um, I've had a lot of folks just only fish a mouse. Right. That's all they want. Yep. They just want to do mice. For like six days straight, just only a mouse, which is fun. Yeah. And we catch grayling and dollies on the mouse, which is hysterical. Today's episode is sponsored by Fishhound Expeditions, who puts together remote Alaskan wilderness trips for that bucket list trip of a lifetime. And these aren't your typical lodge style trips or DIY in it. This is basically floating down the river in remote Alaska with the rainbows, the bears, and all the critters out there. But getting the luxurious uh, comforts of camping with tents and cots and good food and all that stuff. We've had Adam on in a number of episodes here and uh, and actually just give away a big trip uh, this year up to Alaska. So he's been doing some good stuff. Adam and the crew have done a great job. We were on a trip with them down on this uh, this remote section. We had the Northern Lights uh, one night. We had um, beautiful floating down the river. We had white water, uh, good food, big campfires, uh, you name it. Got some nice big rainbows, got some coho. It was just an epic all-around trip, and it definitely was a trip of a lifetime. You can head over right now if you want to check this out, wetflyswing.com slash fishhound, and check in with Adam and pick his brain to see what kind of trips they have on the list. I know they're filling up quick, so if you want to get in there for this next year, uh, check out fishhound, F-I-S-H-H-O-U-N-T, to connect with Adam and the crew over the fishhound. And you support this podcast by clicking through that link and, uh, and checking in with the crew. Okay, back to the show. So it's easier. So the Alaska fishing is easier than the fishing, you know, being a guide in, in Honduras. That's why you come to Alaska, man. Like, cause it is easy. And, you know, I say that. And then of course I'm going to have some clients where like, we only catch a fish, two fish in a day. It's still fishing. Yeah. That you always need to put that like, uh, whatever um, disclaimer on it, that it's still fishing, man. We have good days and we have bad days, but yeah going down like a highway stretch here on willow creek or whatever versus floating the roaring fork in colorado like yeah you're gonna catch bigger fish and probably more fish if not the same amount and then in honduras man flats fishing you're hunting like i don't know if if you you know do a lot of bow hunting or not i personally do not yeah uh but i've got friends that do and that are super into it and they're just like this is bow hunting man this is just hunting 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 because you know you go out hunting you're not going to just go bam, bam, bam into the woods and hope you hit something. So you're not blind casting out there. You're not just hoping there's a fish there. Every now and then, if I see something that looks funky, yeah, take a shot. But you're really just hunting for fish. Right. Yeah, take us there a little bit on that. So if you're, 
you're out there, you know, think of the last fish you got that was memorable on the flats and take us up to the steps before you got that fish. What happened? I mean, take the whole thing. Like, and you have a boat too. So it sounds like you can do both or you can kind of just wait out there. How's that look? Let's see. So the boys came down and I actually didn't do a whole lot of fishing then because I wanted just to see them catch fish, you know, and go figure the one like uh, nice. I got one bone that was on a, I go to Adam. I'm like, yo, I just want to uh, work on my back, you know, my cast here for a quick second. And I shoot it. And I'm like, what do you think? Because Adam's a phenomenal caster. And I'm, oh, he is. Yeah. 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 Dude. He's been fly fishing, I think, like a decade longer than me, you know. Right. And I'm like, you know, just shooting around. And I'm like, all right, so what do I got to do here? And he's like, oh, okay, you got to fix this, fix that. I'm like, cool. That's easy enough. And I'm just like stripping it in to take a recast. And all of a sudden, my line just starts ripping out. And I'm really? like, oh, yep. okay, caught a bonefish. <laughs> just like that. And, and as I was just preaching to him how, like, you don't want to do a lot of blind casting, I'm like, literally, welcome to guiding. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just got to be so careful what you say. Uh, but man, like I'm at peace and I, I love the most, like when I wake up and I can go hike the flat and the sun is coming up and I'm just looking for any, what we call nervous water, anything going on. But yeah, the most recent man, couple stories. I had one permit, uh, that I call El Jefe. <laughs> I've seen them twice now coming through there. Once the permits start to get grown, uh, they no longer travel in school. So you just see one ginormous freaking fish oh, wow. and you just, your heart just comes out of your chest and everything you've ever learned your entire life about fly fishing and casting, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's all instincts <laughs> at that point. You just freaking botch it. And no, I actually had a couple nice, some decent casts at him and I was, I was very proud of it and he just looked it off and he was like, no, dude, you cannot fool me. But then, yeah, some some bones um, had a really nice situation one time where I was casting into about eight inches of water, which is really freaking tough to do. Like the the more shallow the water is, the more spooky they get. I've seen bones, you know, like I said about the scuba diving, I just enjoy watching fish. So a lot of times I'll just sit there and I'll see them tailing and I'll just hang out on the bank. No shadow, no nothing. And I'll just watch, just get to know those fish and see how they're how they're moving around and just like. Because I know the second I cast at them, even if I catch one, they're gone. You know, maybe they'll school up at a different place and I'll find them like a half an hour later or something. But I really want to a lot of times enjoy just watching those fish. And uh, so I've seen them just cruising around and they spook themselves. Hmm, right. I've seen fish just like bump into each other. What was that? What was that? And all of a sudden, <laughs> poof, the whole school's gone. And I'm like. I'm sitting here. My shadow is nowhere. There's no birds overhead. They just spook themselves. They're spooky. So they're spooky. All those fish are spooky because they're either, well, I guess the tarpon are eaten, but everything's kind of prey for the most part. Yeah. And so I had a, I landed a really nice, like super lightweight crab uh, in about eight inches of water, just following the school. And you'll see two or three tails. And then, you know, but you don't know where the whole school is. You're in eight inches of water and there could be 20 fish that you don't see. Hmm. So if you cast it, even, you know, five feet next to where you're seeing the tails, you could spook like, you know, 15 fish, even though you only see four tails, something like that. Um, and I, I landed it and sure enough, because I saw, okay, there's tails over here, send it over there. And then it lands a couple little strips. And then all of a sudden just out of nowhere, just this, big ass tail comes up out of the water. I'm like, Oh yeah, that is, ex you know, I'm working with a 10 foot 
plus leader here. So I'm like, oh, that's exactly where my fly is. And just give him the whammy, uh, big, strong strip set. And whoop, oh, it's like 30 plus fish just, whoop, just take off. There's a wake just going crazy because we're in eight inches of water. And this bone is just tearing me. It's go, It goes out because I'm in between like a sea break spot. So there's like, you know, dead reef on my left mangroves on my right and all this shallow water well he just decides to go to the ocean i'm like oh shit he's gonna his wow. fish take me to the mainland um so i landed him it was great one of those classic like solo fishing um stories where i'm like no one saw this but heck yeah no one saw it exactly that was your own memory right there oh uh, man like a lot of my flats memories are like that because i explored that place by myself Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't have a guide. You weren't out there with Steve learning all the secrets. Oh, no. My my island that I'm... Yeah, man. Just did it all myself. A um, lot of learning, um, you know, to take a dude that doesn't really know much about saltwater and that, yeah, I don't have a guide. One day I paid this dude, Tony, told me his name was Tony Baloney. I told him my name is <laughs> Sam and Cameron. And uh, he just took me around and showed me a couple spots and I gave him like, you know, I don't know, like three cases of beer or something like that. And he was, he was stoked and um, he just showed me like where the flats were. Cause my first week out there, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Um, I saw the tailing bones right away, but then of course the, you know, you got to learn those fish. So so what do you do? Cruise across from the, from your, your place off like a few minutes over to the flats. Is that how it works in the boat? Or you, can you just walk out right off the cabin? Oh, well, you know, so my homeboy, who's going to be the guide for, uh, island expeditions has got he's got the boat and we've got a deal worked out and whatnot but uh up until i met him about you know this year you know the for a whole year i didn't have a boat out there so i was taking a kayak or a bicycle to get to the flats oh right there you go oh yeah uh, and just every night just looking at google maps and being like where could these fish be and how could i get to that spot yeah so you have it pretty I mean, is there a lot? I mean, is there so much water that, that you can't even ever know at all? Or do you have a good feel for everything that you need in that area? You could definitely get to know it all. But I mean, you're working with tide changing. Uh, you're working with fish changing, moon phases, you know, uh, storms coming in and out, winds, man. When you get a, a westward wind, it changes the whole game out there. So it's all just very different. It's similar to up here where... It's like, okay, they're eating streamers and um, all of a sudden one day, you know, pink salmon enter and poof, the bead bites on. And it's like, well, how come I'm not catching these trout in the same spot that I was catching them on the streamer with the bead? And it's like, well, their diet changed and their location changed. You know, they're on the inside of that turn now. They're not on the outside anymore because that's where all the salmon eggs are. Right, right. Yeah, it's always changed. Yeah, the whole the conditions and... And so the salt, the flats are no different than anything else. It's all every day, depending on wind and tides. It could be a totally different deal where the fish are. You got to love those fish and you got to learn them. And that, and that is right there. You know, when it comes down to guiding and whatnot, like everyone wants someone on a boat that they can enjoy spending time with. But really what you're making your money for is, is that you know those fish. Those fish are your family. Right. What are the mangroves? Describe those a little bit for somebody who hasn't ever been around that. What's that look like? What's that composed of? Uh, mangroves are fantastic. So what they do, it's a plant and it grows, you know, out of water and it's a tide uh, dependent plant. So 
in areas that sometimes are completely dry or sometimes under like four feet of water um, based on what the tide is doing and what the moon phase is at. Uh, and the mangroves are, it's just insane. Anytime I take like a trout angler out there into the flats, they just see the mangroves. They're like, oh my gosh, there's fish in there. Because what it is, is it's structure. It is like structure upon structure you know and i've gone like snorkeling into the mangroves and i'm looking around in there and sure enough there's like juvenile barracudas and jacks and stuff in there but yeah the it is structure right structure so it's just like roots and trees and all sorts of woody they are like mangroves are just roots just you know cascading down into um into the water yeah yeah tidal areas and uh yeah so they create beach which is really cool they keep sand around um a lot of times when you know somewhere you know some type of whatever organization is trying to industrialize or whatever or make uh an island area like trying to build houses get rid of a ton of mangroves and try to and then build a house where those mangroves used to be and then all of a sudden they're like oh man my beach is disappearing why is that well the mangroves kept that beach there exactly uh, mangroves are really great, you know, defense against hurricanes and whatnot, keep the land from eroding. And that's one amazing thing that Steve does. Uh, he started this, don't quote me on this. I'm yeah. pretty confident that it's a nonprofit. It's called fish for change. Oh yeah. And, uh, they go out and, uh, they plant mangroves where they've been destroyed, um, along the Bay islands because it's so good for fish habitat. So good for the island and for, you know, to it's a natural way to stop erosion. So mangroves are everything. You see them out in Florida. Yeah. They're definitely. Uh, cool. 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 Just another one of those amazing things. Yeah. Structure, habitat. And uh, and that's awesome. Fish for Change. I definitely have heard of that group. That's very cool that Steve's involved in that. Yeah. That's Steve Brown. Right on, Steve Brown. Okay, cool. So, Steve, it sounds like a guy I need to definitely chat with as well. Um, sounds like he's got some knowledge 15 years out there, plus he's got this conservation work going. I call him the godfather. I've always like, I, you know, he's given me a lot of names and a lot of people to contact. And so I'm just bopping around down there. And uh, so, you know, people are easy to brush you off. They're like, oh, another white boy trying to get rich down here or whatever, in which obviously I'm not trying to get rich or whatever. But I'm like, oh, you know, Steve, like hooked it up and I've got this person and that person. And people look at me and like, oh, dang. Okay. This, this white boy is actually for real. This is going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, I got the blessing of the Godfather, you know, the fly fishing <laughs> Godfather, you know, <laughs> referring to Right. <laughs> so that's how they, yeah, everybody knows. And that is so cool. I wanted to touch on the log jam, uh, go back to that really quick. Log jam fly fishing. Um, that's your, I guess it's log jam underscore fly fishing on Instagram, right? That's correct. Yeah. So you have, and that's the thing, you've got some, uh, you do a little bit of that on the side as far as just photos, videography, stuff like that. Or is that something you're continuing to kind of refine as you're moving ahead? Yeah, Logjam kind of, you know, has started and uh, is still taking its own little direction of trying to find its, you know, voice. But I absolutely love editing videos. It's a really nice way to spend my winter when I'm dreaming about fly fishing. And it's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just go edit a bunch of fly fishing videos. Um, and I just really lack the desire to be like uh, whatever uh, an influencer or Instagram famous or whatever. It's yeah. just like, it's exhausting and I just don't really, you know, have the heart. Uh, but I do love taking my videos, you know, that I've recorded all summer long and shown kind of just a little glimpse into my life. Uh, because I, you know, I've got homies that I've fished with 
all across the United States, like some of my best friends. And, um, you know, they love to know what's going on. And yeah, the big ass trout that we catch up here um, and just, you know, just ride to me like, yeah, riding a helicopter or a float plane is just a part of the job. To some people, they're just like, that is the craziest thing ever. It and is. so it's like a nice way to kind of show, uh, you know, not show off in a way, but just give people a glimpse into like just, uh, you know, just a backcountry uh, fishing guy in Alaska or just a normal dude uh taking people fishing that's right you've got a normal a normal job you're just taking people in the backcountry in a helicopter dropping i mean how many helicopter trips do you do per um season up there in alaska oh man i have no clue like a lot say like 50 or 20 or something like that 30 40 50 or something like that i did well yeah i mean i i did i think last year i did like 120 some days in the backcountry um do the math on that we have like a five-month season wow (laughs) um yeah, we do Western AK, you know, do Kodiak, which is epic. Um, in the last episode with Adam, you guys definitely talked about how insane that is. And yeah. that's, you know, float planes, uh, bears everywhere. It's just cool. And, and like, honestly, I get a lot of people, you know, talking to me on Logjam and comments and messages. Like, I've always dreamed of coming up to Alaska and doing that. And like, everyone, I live vicariously through you. I hear that stuff. I'm just like, right on. Because, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do this and, you know, I don't have kids and I've just, you know, figured it out. Uh, and you know, not everybody can go out and live this life and that's fine, man. Totally fine. But because there's ups and downs, I'm not, you know, it would be pretty cool if I had a, you know, annual income that I could count on rather than a couple, you know, a couple hot months here and there, there's ups and downs to the guide life. Sure. No doubt. And so I understand folks that want that stable life, you know, I mean, for a while I was living out of my camper for years and out of my car and stuff. And so like, I'm not saying this is all, uh, yeah, it's not all glamor. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's very adventurous and whatnot. And sometimes it downright sucks, man, to have people come out and pay really great money for a trip. And like, it just floods the river floods and we don't catch anything And it. And you're that guy that's like, I have to keep happy. How do you, you know, there's times that suck for sure. Um, so I just like give people a glimpse into uh, my life essentially, or my, I shouldn't say my life, just, just my, my job. Yeah. And that's why I, I have my personal account, which is my, you know, my life, my personal life. And then log jam is just essentially a look into my life and the, the bonds also that I've created through fishing. Like some, my best friends in the world I've met through fishing or I've, dragged into uh <laughs> the dark grasp and have taught them how to fish um such as one of my best friends shane and that's just you know log jam is just me and then featuring my best friends in the world that i've met through fishing because fishing is the best thing in the world that's happened in my life no doubt that's cool that's cool what were you doing before before fishing before you came into fishing oh man so i uh i always said that i wouldn't make a living off of my favorite thing in the world which of course is fishing so uh, with the next best thing that takes me to really rad places and to places where there's lots of fish. So I was a whitewater guide. Oh, you were whitewater. Oh yeah. I was a whitewater guide for like five years, man. Um, did that. And that's cool. Durango, Colorado, uh, in Yellowstone in Montana guided in the grand Canyon. Oh, you did. You did the grand Canyon too. Oh yeah. Um, Amazing. And then, yeah, and I did whitewater for a year in Alaska as well, up in uh, Denali National Park. 
Oh, okay. So yeah, so this uh the stuff we went on, that little whitewater was like that's like easy stuff there. You've been down some big, some big technical stuff. Hey man, that whitewater that we did with you, uh Yeah. That's still pretty technical. Yeah. You gotta think like the American Whitewater Association, you know, classifies rapids and whatnot a lot, you know, off of technicality, the moves you have to make, but also consequence. And so think about where you and I were in the middle of nowhere. What if, you know, I popped an oar and just poof, we make a mistake. All of a sudden you go for a swim and all of a sudden that consequence is through the roof. So like technicality wise, a class three rapid in the backcountry could be considered a class four, class five, just because of how you make one little mistake, man. Um, yeah, it's nothing to mess around with. And especially when I'm out there, just myself and two clients. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's not even another boat. There's not other guides. It's that's it. That's all I've had. You know, one time I went through that run up there and it was really low water. And I, I just did a little, uh, maneuver where a little spin to win, where I put the bow onto a rock and I was going to do little, hopefully 180 off of it. But instead I stopped at 90 degrees and clock sharp rock on the bank and just my boat starts deflating i'm like oh crap really oh yeah and uh, this is a good one and so pull over and i'm right above one of the biggest rapids we call uh called staircase and uh and i'm just staring at it and i'm like all right well i gotta patch this boat and so we unload everything it's like a week-long trip get like two dudes father son uh out of the boat and Literally everything, coolers, all that. Get it out. Get it onto the bank. And we're in a canyon. There's nowhere to put this. <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, start drying it off and patch that boat up. The glue wasn't taken, wasn't happening. Um, yeah. And, you know, we had to make some decisions and whatnot. And essentially, there was no way a heli could grab us in the middle of the canyon. And this gentleman, uh, father and son, I think son was in his 50s. So dad was, you know, older. So they're not hiking out. They're not hiking out of there. Yeah, exactly. We're not, and I mean, I went up like 20 yards into that. I was like, there's no way, I don't care what your age is. You're not doing this. No one's taken out of here. So, yeah, just had to make that game time decision. And I took uh, spare life jackets, spare oars, anything with like any dexterity to it. And I just stuffed it into that area uh, where there should have been air in that tube uh, and just gave it some. Oh, wow. Some duct tape. Yeah. I just put. (laughs) Or, but you just filled the gap. So literally without air, you put in flotation. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't air, but it was solid. It was thing. And I rode out like 30 miles like that. <laughs> Dude, that is really cool, man. So you did. Yeah, because literally you got life jackets, whatever. It's still just filling the gap. You just don't want it to sink. Yeah. And how did it work? Did it work pretty well? Oh, man. It's so yeah, it worked totally fine. I had to pump the boat out a couple times because if I if I caught a wave or something, and I also turned the whole boat. They're symmetrical boats. So I turned it so that that, you know, soggy section was on my stern uh, rear side, which I thought that would be like the spot that I take the least amount of waves, at least to the angle that I like to row, which was true. But I took two waves over there and sure enough, had to, you know, I bathed up the boat, pull over. Oh, yeah. You filled up the boat. Oh, right. Because these aren't self bailers, right? That's exactly right. So build boat. That takes a while, which the guys were cool with it. And then the funniest part was on the 4th of July. Uh, was our last day on the water and i was just like screw it man i was like do you guys want a heli to come in and give me like a full-size patch kit drop off a new boat what are you feeling and these guys were so cool just as 
anyone is that comes to these backcountry trips in Alaska. They're just so about it. And they're like, you know, look at me like, are you cool with it? I'm like, dude, I got this. Like we're through the, like the meat of the rapids. Like we got two more days, like screw it. And they're like, yeah, if you're cool with it, we're cool. I'm like, sweet. Sounds good. And, uh, yes, on the last day we're rowing out and you know, the mouth of the river is jet boat accessible and it's 4th of July. And so it's just a party and literally everything, dude, man, you got a popped tube. I'm like, oh. at, at one point, finally, I just like gave it. I just looked back. I'm like, Oh, would you look at that? When did that happen? <laughs> right. Oh man, you did it though. That's, that's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, man. It's just like stuff like that, that like whitewater experience and stuff comes into play. I know Adam's a whitewater dude. Oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's all funny games and like totally fine until it isn't. Yeah. And it happens quick. Yeah. It can go wrong out there. And um, you just want to have experience and, and have a game plan and know what to do. It's definitely, uh, I mean, people come out and they want, you know, everyone wants to come and fish in Alaska and, and uh, be in the wilderness and stuff. And then, and then the second the rain starts smashing them and it gets down to like 14 degrees in August, they're like, oh, this is so bad. I'm like, welcome to Alaska, man. You wanted this. Exactly. That's the experience, <laughs> man. That's Alaska. God, that's great. So, so cool. Well, yeah, I mean, all the stuff on the whitewater, that's definitely interesting. I would love to hear. Maybe we'll uh, chat later at another point on some of the stories where I'm sure you've got some some good Grand Canyon stuff and, and all of that. But um, yeah, man, anything else we want to want to hit on here before we uh, kind of start to take it out of here? We uh, kind of touched on most of the big stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for giving me a little platform to uh, preach all about my uh, exciting news about Honduras. It's been... Um, it's been really fun. I haven't gotten a chance to uh, really share with a whole lot of people because I've just been working so hard on it and I've kind of been hesitant to really bring it up because I just keep thinking to myself that this really isn't happening. <laughs> right. Well, let's circle around now that you're kind of starting to get it rolled. Maybe in a, a year or two or something like that, we'll circle back around when you have the thing like fully going and we'll do a check in and, and see how it's all going for you. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, it's my full plan to bring yourself and Torres out there and come fishing with me in Honduras. There you go. There you go. That sounds like a plan. Okay. Well, um, so give me a little heads up. I, I love the having something on the, you know, art side a little bit. I always love to dig in a little bit of music. What's Honduras like from the music scene? Is there some pretty good stuff there? Oh gosh. They listen to terrible music. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Like what? So is there not, you can't go out and see any live local music of some stuff there? No, they like, uh, they really like, like DJs. Oh, DJs, right. That is rough. That is rough. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, take us here, though. If we don't have that, tell me what you're listening to just on, you know, whatever, just whether Alaska or Honduras, what's your listening taste or groups and stuff like that? Oh, music-wise, um, man. Are you more of a podcast? Are you like more of a podcast, you know, audio listener? No, I do listen to music, but it's it's shameful uh, that I listened to the like same music that I listened to when I was like 18 years old. You know, I was born in 1993. Right. Wow. You are young. And okay. So if we add on, so what year did you graduate from high school? I graduated from high school in 2011. Yeah. 2011. That is amazing. So 2011, I'm trying to think what was going on. See, that's how far <laughs> out of it. I'm totally, I don't even know. That's even past my time of knowing what was current in 2011, but what was it? The biggest thing growing up, and also this is a whole other thing that we could do. 
on a show that I guess we haven't really touched base is where I grew up. Oh yeah. I grew up in the Great Lakes, man. Uh border of New York and Canada. Oh really? You grew up in northern New York? Yeah, man. I grew up right on the Ni- Niagara River area fishing what some would call steelhead what up there it was all called steelhead oh yeah we just did an episode on it and we got tons that is a hot spot for sure yeah so i've been you know great lake rainbows whatever so yeah warp tour came through every year and that's where i was at so i listened to like uh you know brand new and taking back sunday and just uh terrible music like that i can't believe i'm on a podcast uh Telling you that right now. <laughs> there you go. I'm not even, yeah, not even feeling it. This is good because I, I have no idea. Yeah, the word, this is all interesting. Oh, it's it's all like pop punk from the early 2000s that I'm very ashamed that that's all I still listen to. Pop punk, gotcha. There you go. Okay, cool. This is good. I love going down this route kind of because it just sheds light on a whole period that I was like totally out. I mean, in 2011, I was, man, what was I doing? We were heading up to the Skeena for Steelhead, right? That was like the, that was the big trip we had that year which is still the thing, right? I mean, that's still a good, oh, yeah. too many places. Cool. All right, Cam. Well, this has been been a ton of fun. I think we obviously have uh, some plans here in the future, you know, as you develop your program there, um, I'll be in touch and we'll send everybody out to, um, like we said, log jam fly fishing uh, on Instagram and, uh, or fish hound. I guess if they really want to connect on some of this fish hound expeditions would be a place as well, right? Yeah, man. Um, log jam fly fishing for sure. Hit me up. I always I love when random people just hit me up and like I've always wanted to fish in uh, Alaska. I've always wanted to catch a bonefish. That stuff's awesome. That's literally why I have logjam fly fishing, just to chat with people that love to fish. Awesome. Well, we'll see if a few people are hanging in here till the end. We'll send them out there and give you give you a heads up. And uh, yeah, the social media thing is always interesting. It sounds like it's something that you do because you love connecting with people, but you don't necessarily love all the other, that other side of social, right? The, whatever that is, right? The influencer stuff and everything there. Oh yeah. Following the algorithms and that, whatever, like, nah, just, uh, just trying to take all these, you know, this content. I just have a flood. I have so much content on my phone just because I'm out there doing it all the time. And so it's like, I might as well share this. Exactly. All right, Cam. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch with you until the next one. And uh, yeah, have a good season up there in Alaska. And we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you, Dave, man. Really nice chatting. So there it is. Wetflyswing.com slash 447. 447. You can check it out right now. Check out uh, some of the stuff we talked about today. Uh, Some videos, some of the good stuff on Fishhound and Honduras. Find out uh, a little bit deeper what Cam has going. Quick reminder, schooloffishing.co is the best place to go to find out where we are traveling next, where the next giveaway event is, where we are putting all this content around travel. Schooloffishing.co. Let's take a quick look at where we're heading next. Next week, you got to stay tuned. Next week, we are heading into Skeena country. This is Skeena Steelhead Week all week. We're going to be talking about uh, fishing steelhead on the Skeena. We've got Brian Niska heading this off uh, first thing next week. He's going to dig back into it. Uh, One of our best episodes ever. Brian's got some super knowledge. Uh, We're talking main stem, swinging for steelhead. Uh, It's going to be a big week, and we are doing a huge giveaway up to to the Skeena Spay Lodge. So this is, uh, you don't want to miss this. We got some uh, surprise guests as well uh, around this event, and uh, it's going to be a good year. So I'm excited to get this one out. Check it out next week. Steelhead week, Skeena style. 
Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. You can't get much bigger than uh, Skeena Steelhead Week. So uh, I'm going to head out of here into the distance, off into the sun. Hopefully it's maybe sunny where you are right now. And maybe that sun's rising over the horizon. And I'm just uh, wrapping up this podcast and and heading out into the distance. I'm just uh, cresting over the horizon and uh, and riding away on my horse and uh, and calling it a day. So... I hope you are having a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping in today and listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.